This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right, so we got some breaking news for you. Uh, an incompetent judge on firearms knowledge makes a lazy decision in the Michael Cargill versus William Barr Department of Justice, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms bump stock case. We're going to talk about that today. Also, attorney Benjamin Taylor talks about Philbert Colbert. He's a black man who was pulled over by an, well, pulled over by a police officer for an air freshener. I'm going to talk about that today as well. I want to get into the bump stock case because, you know, it's 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 funny how, you know, we have a judge who's from Hawaii, very liberal judge, decides to render his his ruling on bump stocks, and he has no knowledge when it comes to firearms. He actually compared the bump stock to a pump-action shotgun. That is what we're dealing with, people. That is our fight. Also, the I want to get into, man, we got, we got a lot to talk about today. I want to talk about uh, the fact that, you know, this judge also says that machine guns, you know, and the ATF, they actually have the authority to dictate or to pretty much govern without Congress. They can decide what's a machine gun and what's not a machine gun without the assistance of Congress. So they're actually legislating now. And this is how he ruled. We'll get into that a little later. Uh, but first, I, wanna, I do want to talk to um, the attorney, Benjamin Taylor. I do want to get him on and talk to him a little bit about you know, his client, Phil Cobert. Uh, but take a look at this video here. Uh, this is a video of Philbert, I'm sorry, Philip, Philip Colbert, uh, when he was pulled over by police. Like I said, he stopped me. Let's see what for. 
It's mid-morning, September 19th, and Phil Colbert doesn't know why he's been stopped. Sir. How you doing, man? You got your license, registration, insurance? Yes, sir. Okay, any weapons in the car? Nope. Okay. Can I get it from my glove box? Yeah, please. Can I ask you why you stopped me? So you can't have anything hanging from your rearview mirror. So you stopped me for my car air freshener? Yes, sir. Air freshener. The little tree. The little tree in my window, yes, the air freshener. Colbert says the La Paz County Sheriff deputy had been following his silver Chrysler for a while. So I'm actually driving from work and I'm actually going to see my dad in Parker. So I work in Havasu. Um, I'm actually going to see my dad and that's when it all happened. How long was he following you for? About 10 to 15 minutes. All right, so I want to welcome to the show attorney Benjamin Taylor. He's representing Philip Colbert in this case. Um, that happened. I'm, I'm not sure when this happened, but we're going to find out from uh, Philip here, uh, from uh, Benjamin. Benjamin, welcome to Come and Talk It, sir. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's great to be on the show. Yes, sir. Um, hey, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how did you come to representing you know, your client in this case? Yeah, so I'm Benjamin Taylor, the partner at the law firm of Taylor and Gomez out here in one of your next door neighbors out west um, in Phoenix, Arizona. And we do civil rights, personal injury, people who've been injured in a car accident. Um, civil rights is anybody who's um, had their rights violated, either employment law or employment discrimination. Um, family laws, divorces, and criminal defense is when somebody's been arrested and pulled over. And we, we, represent, we represent them in court to help them out and, and try to give them a good legal advice and a legal defense. Yeah, I love I love Phoenix, Arizona. It's a hard stop for me. Instead of going to California, I'll stop right there and fit in uh, Phoenix, because uh, that way I can keep my guns with me. Yeah, ne next time, give me, give me a call when you're out here next time. So. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so take us back to um, this case uh, with your client. He's traveling. I, I think he was going to visit his dad this one particular day, and then he gets stopped by police because they said something was blocking his view. Yeah, so out here in Arizona, La Paz County is a small town a couple hours um, outside, outside of Phoenix, Arizona. And basically, um, Mr. Colbert um, worked at a car dealership. He's a college graduate from Grand Canyon University. Grand Canyon University is a, um, it's a Christian university out here in, in, in Phoenix. And he was getting off of work in the morning um, and around 10 a.m. and stuff, or I mean, I mean, and heading to work to go see his dad and everything. And while he was driving, he got pulled over by the La Paz County Sheriff's Department, right? And when these people can see in the video, people can just Google Phil Colbert or myself, Attorney Benjamin Taylor and Phil Colbert, they can see the video like you showed to your viewers, that when he got pulled over, the reasoning the deputy, sheriff deputy said, and the only reason was because I see an air freshener in your vehicle. Um, and that was the only reason. It wasn't because he was speeding. wasn't because the vehicle was swerving back and forth. And, and let the viewers know this happened in the morning time. It wasn't at nighttime. It wasn't late at night. This happened on a work day around 10 a.m. in the morning. So basically, the sheriff had him and was talking to him for over about 15 minutes or so, just questioning him, saying, um, do you have any drugs in the car? Do you have any weed in the car? Do you smoke weed? And he keeps on saying, no, no. Phil was a track athlete. He's a track star. He ran track. I'm a college graduate from, like I say, Grand Canyon University. A very good man. If anybody were to meet Phil Colbert, a very good, humble young man. But this deputy was kept on questioning him and questioning him about 
whether or not he had weed in the vehicle. And Phil stays calm and says, no, I don't have any weed in the vehicle. I don't, I don't smoke weed. I don't do any drugs. Why you pulled me over? He kept on, the deputy kept on saying, because of this air freshener. And it's a small little tiny air freshener. So, so in my 15 years of practicing law, I have never had one client, not one client, I've asked my fellow attorney friends and colleagues, none of them have ever had their clients pulled over because of an air freshener. So this is a, a case of first impression. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we, we never heard of it. And, and, and you see the deputy's body camera footage too. It's the same thing. It's questioning him and questioning him over and over again in regards to an air freshener. So we, we were just shocked and amazed that one, that this deputy would even question him. And two, under the law, you have to have reasonable suspicion and probable cause. It wasn't like he smelled drugs or weed coming out of the vehicle. It was nothing, and he just kept questioning him and questioning him and questioning him over and over again. Yeah, and see, I like bringing so. up cases like this because, you know, people – that our elected officials, you know, we go to the Texas Capitol. We try to get things uh, changed here in Texas or whether it's Arizona, and we try to get our elected officials to listen to us when we say that, look, you know, there are certain people that are being mistreated when they're pulled over by law enforcement, and there's no recourse. There's nothing, nothing ever happens. Uh, because the only recourse that you have as a civilian is to file a complaint with their internal uh, review or whatever their process is there, and then they investigate themselves and determine themselves, you know, whatever happens from that. And then you can get an attorney like yourself and file a civil suit, but you're filing that civil suit against the, pretty much the city who holds the purse strings, you know, and the city is going to play, play, pay that, which are, you know, our tax dollars. And so there's really, you know, nothing. And the the elected officials are not listening. You know, they if you look at some of the laws that we have nowadays that come out of our our legislative body, there are laws that actually protect more police officers than it does the regular citizen. Us, you know, the people, there's nothing that protects the people. Nothing ever. You know, if, if something you know, if I was to walk out of here and get pulled over, you know, I would have to hire an attorney. Uh, you know, that officer has the power to take my civil liberties away, my freedom away from me, you know, in at seconds, you know, in just a matter of seconds. And, you know, my life is in their control. And so that's why I like to bring things like this up, you know, because our elected officials, the governor's office, uh, the governor of Texas, Governor Abbott, you know, people in that office are listening right now to this show. And you need to know that there's nothing that protects us, the people. And we have these cases from time and a time that come up, you know, we, we talk about these things, and you, no one helps the, the people. No one helps us. And so something's got to be done, whether it's, you know, um, you know, the young lady that, you know, wind up being pulled over by the, the Texas Department of Public Safety uh, state trooper, you know, ends up going to jail and ends up, you know, killing, dying. You know, we don't even know what happened in that situation. Somehow she ended up dying, uh, whether it's, you know, someone executes a no-knock warrant and uh, they go to the wrong house and people inside the home end up defending themselves, maybe getting shot, you know, whether it's, you know, being pulled over uh, because uh, they typed in the wrong, you know, license plate number 
and wasn't your vehicle. They were actually getting a hit off of. They actually were getting a hit off of another vehicle and confuse you with someone else, whether it's, you know, your dog blocking your view, whether it's the air freshener blocking your view, whether it's, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> when an officer is wrong, nothing protects the people. And that is why people are upset. You know, that's why we have, you know, civil unrest. That's why on June 1st, people were protesting about, you know, what's going on in this country. And so we need our elected officials. I need the, the people at the Capitol. I know you're listening to me. I need the ones in the lieutenant governor's office. I know you're listening to me. I need the ones in the, you know, the AG's office. I know you're listening to me. Uh, we need some help here. You know, there needs to be an independent organization that actually has the power to bring charges or fire, not allow this officer to quit and become a gypsy cop, move to another department, actually fire that officer, you know, so that way we can maintain the integrity of our, our law enforcement because we do need law enforcement. I'll be the first one to admit that. You know, we need police. Um, I had to call the police last night, you know, because we had someone doing a break-in attempt in the gun store, and they responded within less than a minute. Uh, so, you, yes, we do need law enforcement. Absolutely. Uh, I needed them. And they came. They responded very quickly and, you know, took care of the situation immediately. Uh, great officers. And I want to thank the Austin Police Department for their response time. Great response time. One minute. And that's how it's supposed to be done. Uh, but when there's, you know, when something is wrong, when someone clearly does something wrong, they overstep their bounds, they're, they're, they're stepping, you know, on your civil liberties. We need to have something happen. Something needs to be done. Uh, would you agree to that? Uh, and I, I, I just get kind of kind of heated on, on that subject, uh, Mr. Taylor. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, we, I definitely would agree to that. And, that, and you mentioned uh, like an independent review board. As a citizen, the thing about Phil Colbert is that he had a video. But most of the time, a lot of times you get pulled over and there's no video. And if there's no video, it's your word against the officer's word in the court of law. And unfortunately, if there's no body camera video, who's going to win? Um, usually the officer is going to win, even though Phil was in the right. If anybody can watch that video, I would ask your viewers when they take the time to watch the full video, you can see Phil is calm, collective, and, and talking here. And we need more legislation throughout the nation. That way, an independent review board would come in and – look at these officers and see what they did wrong. Right now, we have officers who are judging other officers. So these are the same officers who kids play softball together, who play soccer together, and they're not going to find wrongdoing in another officer because they're friends. So we need an independent agency to come in here. And when, when there's a lot of great officers out there who do right, who, you know, who serve our country and protect us. But the officers who are bad, they need to be off the streets. And we need an independent investigation agency to come in there and make sure these officers are fired and are, are, are you know, gotten rid of. Because right now, officers are able to judge other officers. And, and throughout the nation, you see officers not being prosecuted, not being fired. And like you said, these gypsy officers, that, that's the same thing that's happening in Arizona, happening in Texas, that these officers get fired from one city – and they move from Austin to Dallas or from Dallas to Houston and get another job. Same thing. They move from Phoenix to Tucson or Tucson to Yuma, other different cities once they get fired. But then there needs to be a database throughout the nation so that way these officers can't move from a different state, a different city, 
a bad officer is a bad officer. That way they won't get hired and do the same bad things over and over again in other towns. That's right. So we have commercial truck drivers who are held to a much higher standard. As a commercial driver, you know, you're held to that national standard where, you, you know, if you get a certain percentage, you know, you're a certain level of your alcohol in your system, uh, you're held to a much higher standard. We come back from the break, going to talk about that. Also, got another video for you there. I want to show you another traffic stop. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Peace, this is Maj Touré. You're listening to Come and Talk at Radio with Michael Cargill. Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're back and we're talking about traffic stops here. We're talking about getting stopped by law enforcement. Uh, we're talking about, and I guess some people think that it's not a race issue. Uh, what do you think, Felicia? I have always, 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 always had crap hanging from my rearview mirror. Always. And never once have I been pulled over for that. Right. The only thing I've even been halfway pulled over for is my light was out. My license plate lamp was out, so they couldn't read it well enough at night. Okay, sure. But the fact that this dude was not only followed, but then was also pulled over, taken out of his vehicle and questioned and given a sobriety, sobriety test because of an air freshener. And we have people in the comments, hey, Raymond, you still need to call in, <laughs> defending this cop. Five one two six four three five four eight three. It honestly makes me so angry. This is what you want your tax dollars going to. You want your tax dollars going to cops pulling over dudes who have air fresheners in their car? Come on, y'all. This is ridiculous. Now take a look at this video here. We got another video for you. A different traffic stop. We pulled over on this lovely day. I'm right here. I don't. I don't give names. I invoke my fourth and fifth amendment rights. I don't have to give no name. I'm not suspected of committing a crime. It doesn't. It's, it's my rights. Whenever a law enforcement officer is stopped or stops a vehicle, yeah, but I'm. I'm not. The, I'm not the driver. I do. Okay, and what am I being detained for? What 
What crime am I suspected of committing? Hey, bro, look, I do not have to. That is my right. And if they did try to take me in, it will be a violation of my constitutional right. Why is that in my because penis? Because you're not going to have a phone on you. Put your hands on you. Well, what am I being arrested? arrested for hindering an uh, investigation. How did I hinder an investigation? Because you did. And see, I encourage people to remain calm. You get stopped by... You know, law, a law enforcement officer, you think that the officer is doing something wrong, you know, just relax, you know, keep calm and, you know, complying. They're going to do what they're going to do. If they're going to arrest you, they're going to arrest you just like this young man here. This is a traffic stop out of Bakersfield, California. Um, and the young man here, he knew his rights. He knew, you know, uh, he's sitting in the backseat of a vehicle. He's just a pastor inside the vehicle. Uh, they didn't suspect him of any crime. They just wanted to ID everyone in the vehicle. Um, the driver didn't get a ticket, but they wanted to ID everyone in the vehicle because they wanted to ID them <laughs> and run their background check. Uh, hadn't suspect this guy had committed any crime whatsoever. The guy refuses to give, him, give the officer his ID, so then the officer arrests him because he said he was hindering an investigation. He said, well, in, you know, what investigation? Hindering your investigation how? Uh, and they arrested him, and then guess what? You know what he did? He complied. He got out of the vehicle like they said. They handcuffed him. They arrested him and charged him. He went to jail. And then you know what happened after that? The city had to pay $60,000 to this young man because they violated his civil rights. That's what happens. And that's what you do. Comply. Don't argue. Don't debate the issue. You know, they're going to arrest you. They're going to arrest you. You comply. You get an attorney. And then you sue. And unfortunately, Felicia, that's our tax dollars. And, and that's what I don't understand is you'll see these same people on our comment threads week after week after week saying that we should hold law enforcement to a higher standard. We should lower taxes. We should get involved in the Capitol and change legislation, which, by the way, is what I do for a living. OK, mm -hmm. um, I, I understand the process very well. And then you'll have something like this and they jump in the comments. You're like, well, you're just making it a race issue. No. It's, it's a police issue, and it has always been a police issue. And until we start using our tax dollars well, we're going to have law enforcement overstepping their bounds. Our taxes are going to continue to go up because when cops are bad and act inappropriately, they're sued and the city settles. It's this ongoing cycle, and I don't understand where the disconnect is for people. Maybe Thomas can call in and let us know because he's telling me that this was a, a valid pull over too. like this cop spent how much time on the side of the road giving a dude a sobriety test right. and and questioning him about heroin and weed and do you smoke weed and when's the last time you smoked weed despite the fact that there was no probable cause he just said that he got off work if your eyes aren't a little glassy when you get off work I you mean, ain't I mean, working come hard on. enough you're not working hard enough right hey, like so, hold, on, just, hold on a say so I, what i want to talk about is you know and phil i want you to comment on this also because you know this guy you know, he's, he did everything right. Uh, I'm sorry, Benjamin, I want you to comment on this, Mr. Taylor. Uh, Phil Philip did everything right. Is there anything differently, you know, what, what, what would you advise someone that's, you know, in a situation like that? Any, any, anything different they would, you know, they would do? Like you said, you need to, to comply because if you don't comply, the officers are going to say that you're acting, you're resisting arrest, you're not compliant, and then they're going to arrest you or maybe even, unfortunately, shoot you because they're going to be in say that they're, they're in fear for their lives. 
or they're fearful for their lives because they think that you're not complying or you're being belligerent or you're reaching for something, they might try to shoot you. Right. So I would always ask people to comply and do exactly what Phil did. Phil was polite. He was complying. And then what he did, he called me up and he hired our firm of Taylor and Gomez. And he, he talked to me. And he said, hey, Mr. Benjamin Taylor, can you help me out? And when I looked at the video. When I first heard Phil call me, I was shocked. I'm like, no way. There's no way that you got pulled over for an air freshener. And, and when I looked in the case, I looked at the video. I'm like, I couldn't believe that this officer pulled him over for an air freshener. That's the only reason. So people might say, well, he had drugs in his car. No, he didn't have any drugs. Um, and people no. Be, and people be surprised how often that actually happens. It happens a lot. You'd be shocked by that. What were you going to say? Exactly. We get, we get called all the time for that type of stuff. And sure. just, I mean, for an air freshman, that was the only reason. So I wanted your viewers to understand that was the only reason he wasn't speeding, he wasn't drunk or hit heavy, he wasn't smoking weed. He was normal, you know, going to see his dad, getting off of work. And the only reason the cop pulled him over is because of the air freshener. And that's why they hire people like myself to sue. And people's tax dollars go up because, yes, you're right, the city settles. They you settle a lot because their officers are in the wrong and they don't want to pay all this money at trial. So they settle quickly and they settle early and this is your tax dollars. So, yeah. and, you, you know, and, I want, and I want to tell people, you know, where that money comes from. Do you know that when you sue the city, you know, someone pays for that. And this is, this is a whole another show down the road uh, because there's a, a situation in like Georgia and some other States where, you know, someone sued the, the city because of something that a police officer did. And you know where that money comes from? It comes from, you know what they end up doing? To pay and settle that lawsuit, they had to shut down some schools to pay for it. So they shut down schools and, <laughs> and to pay what, you know, what was done. And then they didn't punish. There was no punishment you know, for the officer. The officer wasn't fired. You know, no punishment. But they paid out this you know, X amount of dollars for this. And it happens a lot. You know, there's got to be something that we do to make sure this doesn't happen again. We're talking you know, recurring problems over and over again. I mean, police are really the only, that I can think of off the top of my head, the only job that you can go into, get paid with tax dollars, not be accountable for any of your actions, and then use those same tax dollars to then pay off the citizens that you're supposed to be protecting. And and we just let this keep happening as if there's not a problem with it. Police officers should be required to have their own insurance so that they can be sued. It's very similar to the way teachers and school districts have things shut up, set up. They should have to have their own insurance so that they have to be held to a higher standard. And those insurance companies can decide whether or not to represent these police officers. So it takes the burden off the city and thus off the taxpayers. Why we don't do this and why we just let these cops get off scot-free time after time after time, I don't get it. I truly do not understand. Take it out of the police pension. That's not going to happen. So that's not how things are set up. So you got to give us some better solutions than that. That's how we should set it up. So what we got to – here's what we're going to do. You know, come this legislative session, you know, here it is, January. We're going to go in session January 2021. And I guarantee you there's going to be some bills that are filed. Uh, they've already started already, filing, you know, new bills, anti-gun bills, pro-gun bills. Right now I'm going to list some of those off as well. And so we got to go, and you got to listen to some of these bills that they actually are proposing and either vote against some of them uh, that are bad, get, get rid of those, you know, because it, they take your word and what you say. It's very important. You got to show up. 
either vote against them, you know, kill some of these bills that are bad, and then support the bills that are great. You know, because that's the only way you're going to bring about change. It's not going to happen on Facebook. Not going to happen on Instagram. Not going to happen on TikTok. Not going to happen on MeWay or whatever they call it. It's going to happen at the Texas State Capitol. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Coley on Noir, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, we're talking about traffic stops, talking about what happens if you get stopped by law enforcement and, you know, really it's nothing serious and you really should, you know, shouldn't even been stopped in the first place. Uh, we're talking about how some cases can go really wrong, how, you know, what you can do to change the outcome of that case. Uh, sometimes you have to take the, you know, take that step and use conflict resolution to diffuse the situation, bring that situation down a little bit, and kind of guide it in the direct the the direction it really should go. Uh, and so it t- it takes you as as a citizen to have to do something like that. Unfortunately, because if you don't, then that situation can go a totally different direction, and then we wind up in jail. So we're talking with Attorney Benjamin Taylor. I want to ask uh, Attorney Taylor, uh, what happened to the police officer, and then was there a civil case filed? So first, um, we brought a lawsuit against the La Paz County Sheriff's Department in regards to Phil Colbert's um, being pulled over for no cause in his violation of his constitutional rights. After an investigation and after you know us putting pressure on them, they eventually fired, the sheriff's name was Eli Max. So they fired Eli Max and they got rid of him. Mr. Uh, was, was, was the police officer fired before or after you filed lawsuit? I mean, during the time. So, 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 so basically they, they got rid of him because we found out by doing our investigation that he had done this before to other people. Um, prior to Mr. Phil Colbert's, my clients, um, you know, being pulled over. Were they so were they we took, also black or were they white or were they, what was the... They were white, yeah. I mean, so that's why I said this is not a race issue right here. This is a bad, you know, training issue. This is an officer who had, I mean, he uses badge for the wrong reasons. He was on a power trip and he was pulling over um, older white couple Complain. They went on. They went on the news and they were interviewed um, by the local news stations out here, saying the exact same thing. Um, are there drugs in your vehicle? Do we smell anything? Can you have you been smoking tonight? And this older white couple was saying the exact same thing. Why are you pulling us over? So it sounds like there's some bad training, or this officer was just on a power trip and he loved this pulling people over. And now after Phil's case, we've been doing more investigations and more and more people are calling us, calling our law firm and saying, Attorney Benjamin Taylor, um, I was pulled over too. And I, the same thing happened to me by the same officer, Eli Max is his name. Um, Sheriff Eli Max is doing this to me. So we've, and, and then unfortunately, he was training other people to do this. 
There was one traffic stop where he had a, a younger deputy. He was saying this to saying, well, you need to arrest them and intimidate them pretty much. And if you intimidate them, they might confess to something. So this is totally unconstitutional. So this guy was fishing. Race- this guy was fishing for arrests. And you're saying that you've had multiple other people call in and ask for your uh, legal assistance regarding this specific cop by name? Okay. Yeah, we'll get him back here in a second. Froze up just a little bit there. All right. Also, I wanna, we're going to get into uh, talking about, what is it, Re- Republican Lauren Boebert? How you pronounce that last name? Lauren Boebert. Boebert. That's, that's how I think it's pronounced. That's yeah, how I pronounce it. She asked police uh, about carrying her firearm this into is in the Colorado grounds, right Colorado so she's a congresswoman a newly elected a congresswoman elect uh, and she wants to carry her gun in Capitol grounds there at the US Capitol you know, which yeah, I think they're allowed to do that because they're con- uh, they're the congressional body can actually carry guns you know in those places I believe you are correct yeah so we get back I want to talk about that also hopefully we'll get uh, Phil back here you want to talk what else ben. <laughs> Benjamin mr. Benjamin Taylor what else do you want to talk about here, Michael? I want to. I do want to get into the bump stock case and talk about the what happened and how the, what the judge actually said. Uh, once we're sitting in the um, in federal court, you know, hearing the bump stock case, you know, while that case was actually going on, uh, Michael Cargill versus William Barr, Department of Justice and ATF, about the bump stock. What happened was the the, the judge who was from Hawaii uh, actually compared the bump stock to a to the action of a pump sh- uh, shotgun so basically he said that you know this kind of like so what you're saying is it's kind of like shooting a pump action shotgun you know i have to push out with my left hand and then you know then fire you know and that's actually not correct you know uh, if you break down how the action of a pump action shotgun actually works and what you have to do in order to fire it so they actually you know he his, his understanding of what a bump stock was and what a pump action shotgun is, is you know was just totally wrong and you know it's just this judge actually was just looking for a reason to actually, you know, throw this case out and, and, and to rule against us. Uh, so and people need to understand the rule is actually legislative. And so uh, it is substantially cha- it substantially changes the law is what it does. Uh, the ATF does have they're saying the ATF has the power to issue legislative rules, even though the ATF says otherwise. And ATF admits that they don't have the power to do that. But this judge says they do. And the court specifically rejected the ATF's argument that they lacked the power. Instead, he said that the ATF can do whatever is necessary to regulate machine guns. There's also uh, no non-delegation problem, and ATF has the power to do whatever it wants. Uh, And he said that a machine gun is a shooter focus and and encompasses things that are set in motion by pull of the trigger. Now, the regulation is not arbitrary. And it's not capricious it, because agencies can consider political interests. Uh, so the basic takeaway is that Judge Ezra, which is the judge that heard this case in federal court, thought a bump stock is close enough to a machine gun to fall under the regulation because it fires quickly and looks seamless. Uh, and it also he decided that it didn't matter that you have to pull the trigger for each shot. This is lazy decision making. And the statute speaks in specific terms, not vague, open-ended questions of what things seem like. One problem about Judge Ezra, he doesn't address, is how he can decide this is both a legislative rule, one that changes the law, and also decide that this is what the statute has always meant. 
Now, this doesn't line up, and it, it looks like a clear legal error, you know, in this case. Now, interesting that the original Tenth Circuit decision and the D.C. Circuit opinion both rejected this line of thinking. They think uh, it was obvious that a bump stock was a machine gun, just that it possibly could be under a very differential view of the agency's authority. Now, given the case that the Tenth Circuit is now being reheard, and um, just so people know that, and so it's important that all these cases, uh, our case, uh, there's another case that's going forward, that they go forward, and then we eventually go to our courts of appeals uh, and then make it to the Supreme Court. And so only one case would actually make it to the Supreme Court, but we need you know, the two dis- different decisions in different courts so we can eventually, at the end, make it to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court will settle the differences because these courts are going to come out with different uh, conclusions. So what did it for me on this case, because I was in court with you that day, was when, when the judge asked if the same motion, the same action could be replicated with a belt, wrapping a belt around your arm, and it can, you know? So what are you going to do, you know, outlaw belts? It just doesn't, it doesn't seem like a, like a, a thought-out process to me. Yeah. And we have, we have videos of that. You know, we have videos of someone yeah. shooting with, you know, using their belt loop. We have videos of someone using the, their finger, you know, just firing really fast. Ladies love that. Well, if something, can be, if something can be replicated with an everyday item, then I don't think that you should ban the, the item in question. Mm-hmm. I think that's a no-brainer to me. All right, so let's go back to Ben. I want Ben to finish that thought there because we're talking about this uh, traffic stop uh, that happened um, in Arizona. Attorney Benjamin Taylor. Yeah, so, so, so basically it's this ridiculous that, you know, somebody's going to be pulled over for air fresher, and that's their only sole reason. And I was saying before is that it's not a race issue because he had pulled over a white couple. And other couples are calling us right now and saying, Mr. Benjamin Taylor, can you represent me? Because I was pulled over by the same deputy. Um, so now he's training other deputies to be like this. So he's going on a, what you call a fishing expedition when you're when there's there's no probable cause, there's no reason for suspicion, but he's just asking you and saying, Hey, have you ever smelled weed? Have you ever smoked weed? Do you have any drugs in your vehicle? And just he had fell over for over 15 minutes doing this. Yeah. And Phil kept on saying, no, oh, can you let, let me go? Like, why did you pull me over? And that's the only sole reason. So other people have called our law firm and said, I was pulled over too by the same deputy. So it's a training issue. It's a culture issue. And officers like this make the good officers look bad. And you- like I said before, there's a lot of great officers out there. But when you have somebody who's doing this, you have to sue them to teach them a lesson because a lot of the police unions protect these officers um, and, and if they don't get fired, they're going to be out there training other officers in the future. And you're going to have a whole group of officers being trained by the same officer and acting like this and pulling and people it, over. And then it becomes work. a systemic problem. Exactly. It's a systemic problem throughout. Can you imagine this? I mean, who wants to be pulled over for air freshener? So do you I think that it would be um... – to prevent this from becoming a systemic problem, do you think ending qualified immunity would achieve that goal? Yes. We, we definitely need to end qualified immunity. Why is that? I mean, these, because these cases need to go to the jury. 
um, if the viewers just kind of explain what qualified immunity is, basically the government or the officer, they get the benefit of the doubt prior to even stepping in to the courtroom. All right, hold that thought. We're talking about qualified immunity, talking about traffic stops, talking about air fresheners. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talking. Man Jones. <laughs> and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talk It. Talk thirteen seventy. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, we're talking with attorney Benjamin Taylor out of Arizona. He's talking about qualified immunity. We're talking about traffic stop, a traffic stop where uh, his client, Philip Colbert, was stopped by an officer because of an air freshener. Uh, attorney Benjamin Taylor, you were talking about qualified immunity there. Uh, what is that all about? I mean, basically, qualified immunity allows a governmental officer to get the benefit of the doubt prior to even going into the courtroom. So when the officer acts badly and an attorney sues the officer, the judge can dismiss the case based upon the officer's testimony. If there's no other testimony out there to, um, to go against the officers. So a lot of cases throughout the nation, throughout Texas, are being thrown out because of qualified um, immunity. But there's there, there are some people who are able to get past qualified immunity. And we actually had a case recently, I worked with an attorney named Daryl Washington out of Dallas. And we got a case out in Texas in the East um, District Court in the Fifth Circuit. We got past qualified immunity because we presented testimony that showed the officer wasn't telling all the story correctly. And some of his story didn't match up. So that way you can get in front of the jury. But if the judge believes the officer, and solely the officer, the judge can throw out the case, and you as a citizen will not get justice because the case is thrown out before it even gets to a jury. So a jury doesn't decide. A judge will decide based upon qualified immunity because they believe the officer's testimony because there's no other witnesses there. And then what you know what I don't like is these cases never come to light. No one ever knows about them if there's no video. Uh, nothing will ever happen unless a video comes out. And usually, once a video comes out and it, it refutes, you know what was in the police report, or it you know the media picks it up. When the media picks it up and they run with that story uh, and see the video clip, then and only then is there something done about a lot of cases. Exactly. I mean, this happens every day. There's there's tons of Phil Colberts out there who are being pulled over because of whatever reason, because of air freshener and being harassed and constantly, you know, questioned. However, that's why we need more, you know, body cameras. And and in Texas, I would like to see all officers throughout the state equipped with body cameras. And hopefully, your legislature will, you know, require that. Um, we have enough money to do that. And body cameras protects officers and it protects the citizens because 
the community and everybody can see what actually happened. Right. So and without so a body camera, um, who knows what's going to happen? And usually the officer's word is going to be uh, given more of a greater weight than the citizen's word. All right. So, so attor attorney Benjamin Taylor, let me ask you this, you know, because someone, okay. someone said that, remember the traffic stop that caught the Oklahoma City bomber, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was a, a regular traffic stop and it, it cracked that case. So what about situations like that? Do we, you know, do, should we give up some type of, you know, give up some liberty, some freedoms, you know, so that we can all remain safe because of situations like that? I mean, you as a citizen, there's no warrant for your arrest and you haven't done anything wrong, you shouldn't be pulled over and questioned for 15 minutes. However, if you do match the description or you are suspected of committing a crime, then of course there should be an investigation done because we want the bad guys to go to jail. However, we have to separate the Phil Coberts who weren't doing anything wrong there wasn't any armed robbery going on in, in the neighborhood. There was nothing to alert. In Oklahoma City bomber, we had a case where there had been a bombing and a million of Americans were killed on our own soil. This is very different when there was nothing in the area in Arizona which would allow this officer to question him for 15 minutes. Nobody, Phil Corbett did a match the description. There wasn't any armed robberies or any other crimes that had been committed that day or a previous day. So your constitutional rights shouldn't be violated just for a fishing expedition. Of course, if there's a major event like 9-11, Oklahoma City bombing, and you match that description, of course, I think questioning should go on. But don't just question a person if you have, you have no probable cause or reasonable suspicion to question the person. Yeah, and so Ian, you know, I, I encourage everyone to go check out this documentary, uh, this Netflix special called Trial 4. If you're not familiar with it, Check it out. Google it. It's called Trial 4, where a young man, teenager, back in 1993, he was charged with killing a Boston police officer. And basically what happened was this guy goes to the, I believe it was a Walgreens. He goes to a store to buy some diapers uh, for uh, a child of a family member. And he goes in, he buys the diapers, finds them, comes right out, gets into his car, goes. So happened, so they went through the cash register and looked at all the transactions and saw that this guy was, you know, was at the, you know, the store right around that time after, you know, before or after the police officer was actually, uh, actually killed. So because they brought him in, they questioned him, and he said, yes, I was, you know, I was there, you know, that night. I went to buy Pampers that night when that happened. And only because he happened to buy Pampers, you know, diapers, went in to the store to buy them, he was actually charged with actually killing the police officer when clearly he did not. He, and there were four trials in this, this case. Uh, this guy actually sat in jail for over 20 years for a crime that he did not commit because he, the, they questioned him. He answered their questions and told them that he was there a particular night when something happened. You got to remember, you have a right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. There are a lot of documentaries about a lot of this stuff, you know, where people are wrongfully convicted of crimes, spend time in jail, and then they don't get any, any recourse. There's nothing that comes from that. He was not able to recover any um, 
any money for his time in jail. Twenty served 22 years in prison for a crime that he did not commit. He went to prison when he was a teenager. He was a kid, totally dumbfounded, you know, and in shock the entire time through the entire process of going to court, being in front of the media, the news cameras and all that stuff. And for something that he did not do, he was a child. And he ended up serving 22 years. He served more time in prison than he was alive on this earth. And so this is the things that we're talking about right here. Situations like that. Because you're pulled over by a police officer. They have that. You're in their world. And they can take your, your liberties away from you at that moment in time. And there's nothing you can do. Felicia, I like throwing it back at you. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. One of the commenters was saying that cops are walking into a disadvantage whenever they pull someone over. And to an extent, I can agree that they don't know who they're pulling over. Um, they don't know what, what they're going to find in the car. But in today's age, right, citizens are also getting into a situation where they don't know what's going to happen. They don't know what kind of cop they're going to who they're, they're going to encounter. Sometimes they don't even know why they've been pulled over. And we have to make sure that as a, a well-informed populace, we're paying attention to stupid laws like this on the books so that we can get them cleaned up during legislative session, regardless of whether you're here in Texas or in Arizona. Because cops are there to serve and protect. The protect is a little questionable after the SCOTUS ruling, but they work for us, okay? And I'm really irritated to constantly see stories like this of the people that cops are supposed to be protecting and supposed to be working for constantly victimized. He should not have been pulled over. He should not have been pulled out of his vehicle and given a sobriety test and questioned for 15 minutes. That should not have happened to him for a few more months, I guess. This is still the land of the free. And we have the right to be, you know, innocent until proven guilty. But it seems so many times... We are going into these police encounters and we see the body cam footage and we see the videos and people are immediately guilty for whatever the cop wants them to be guilty of until they can be proven innocent. And it's, it's a really, really unhealthy cycle that we have and we've got to do better and we've got to hold cops accountable. And, and I mean, again, in, in the comments, people were saying, well, just, you know, stay silent, comply and then sue the city. That should not be the solution. We should hold cops to a higher standard, period, end of discussion. I don't understand why we have to keep coming back to this and making and holding citizens to a higher standard whenever these cops went into this career, right? We hope they did it with good intentions, but they should be held to a higher standard. They're the ones walking around with the gun. They're the ones who have the ability to take your liberties away. And also your life. Uh, in the Austin Police Association, uh, President Ken Cassidy uh, has a comment in the comment section. He says that if an officer is clearly wrong, immunity can be denied by a judge. You know, and, and I like to bring up, you know, I want to bring up that case of an off-duty police officer from Austin Police Department who was on his way to work. Uh, we covered this last weekend and got into a road rage incident. And the only reason, you know, they have not, you know, suggested charges for the officers because uh, they would also, you know, they would have to suggest, according to the uh, county attorney, he said, you need to bring charges against the police officer and also the citizen 
you know, because they were both doing something wrong. And we're talking about where a police officer, Austin police officer, off-duty is on his way to work, got into a road rage incident where he's going, you know, in speeds of up to 90 miles an hour, according to the reports, uh, according to the news story uh, that we're looking at right now, uh, that he was traveling on, you know, on our roads going that fast and end up getting out of his vehicle with his uh, personal firearm in his hands. He said he didn't point it at the uh, the the other person in their vehicle, uh, but he had it in his hands when he got out of the vehicle. And so in a situation like that, I wonder what would happen, you know, if I was driving on I-35 and I got into an incident with someone and I jumped out of my vehicle and approached their vehicle with a gun in my hand. Would I be charged with a crime? Would I just, you know, take some time off from work? I want to put that question to you guys. What would happen in a situation like that? Um, and I would like for uh, the the uh, the president for the Austin Police Association, uh, Mr. Cassidy, to call in and give us a response to that. Our call in number is 512-643-5483. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Yo, what's going on, guys? It's Chad Jones here, and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Talk 13.7, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, I want to thank uh, the attorney out of Arizona, Benjamin Taylor, for coming in the show, uh, telling us about uh, Philip Colbert, his client, and what happened with him about the air freshener. And I hope, you know, people, you know, have a takeaway from this. Uh, you get stopped by law enforcement, you know, you need to, you remember you always have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. Don't ever forget that. Um, I don't want to want people to wind up in a situation like trial four where you say something, you know, where are you coming from? Well, I'm just coming from the Walgreens. Oh, well, someone was killed at the Walgreens and you end up being convicted and served 22 years in prison because you admitted that you were somewhere uh, and you just happened to be at that place, you know, before something actually happened. So, you know, just remember those little things there. That's why I'm very protective of my family. Um, whenever my family's involved in the situation, you know, I want to make sure they do the right thing as far as protecting their rights as well. And so I want to give that information to you guys. And so um, attorney uh, Benjamin Taylor, you know, what do you have for the people in closing? In, in closing, just, you know, I mean, call your local attorney when you need some help, when you get pulled over and, and, but just comply, do the right thing and, you know, survive the traffic stop. And then, you know, call an attorney to, you know, look at your civil rights. And I, I just have people, you know, look at a local case out in, in Texas is the Arthur McAfee case versus Harrison County, a typical case where a, a veteran was shot and killed. We talked about qualified immunity. We are able to survive qualified immunity. So this Google Arthur McAfee, Harrison County, and you'll see that case where a, 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 a veteran who was unarmed was shot and killed by a Harrison County deputy. Harrison County is in East Texas, out in Marshall, Texas. And we won a case and overcame qualified immunity, but it's still hard. 
because the officer is saying he didn't do anything wrong. However, we had to prove that our client, Mr. Arthur McAfee, got shot and killed unarmed. It was a veteran in his 60s and got killed because of a mental health episode. So I want to let people know that there, these cases are out here. And nobody's bashing the cops. Nobody's saying the cops are bad. But there are some cops out there and officers who make mistakes who are doing wrong. And those officers need to be punished. And that's why they hire attorneys like myself, Attorney Benjamin Taylor, to sue to hold you know, people accountable. Because if you or your family member were to get harassed by the officer or get shot or, or, or beat up, you would want an attorney to defend your family member or your loved one. Yeah. And that's what all we're doing. We're just trying to serve justice out here. And nobody's you know, cop bashing, nobody's police bashing, but we just want just to be served for all our citizens. Yeah. And, it, so it, that, and, it, and it's difficult because you know, you'll have a, you, this, it's hard, like you said, to prove you know this to a judge and get the judge to deny the you know, the immunity. Uh, that's actually very hard to do. Um, and then what happens is you have uh, the police officers who are packed the court. Packing the court means that they will have a large amount of police officers sit in the galley there in uniform, and that intimidates the judge. It also intimidates the jury, and it makes it very hard on you. Uh, so this entire process is actually designed to be against you, the civilian. So not – these are the facts. This is what happens. This happens every day. Uh, so people are upset about what I'm saying is, you know, well, then, you know that's too bad because th this is how it happens. <laughs> and we wouldn't have to bring it up if it didn't happen. Exactly. Now, this is what happens every day in the courtroom. And you go to a case, and you're right. I had cases where they bring the whole police squad in there, and that intimidates the jury – and intimidates the judge. Just imagine if you see like 20 officers in the courtroom in the gallery, and then you have yourself and your client and maybe two or three family members versus on the other side, 20 officers. That's going to intimidate the jury and the judge. And this is what happens. And you have police unions too who are supporting this tactic. So th these are everyday things that people need to be aware of. And, and that's why we need body cameras. Thank God for cell phones. Because cell phones are out here and people are filming it, and now it's becoming the light. This has been going on for decades, but now with cell phone footage and body camera footage, and after the George Floyd incident and in, 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 in killing in Minnesota, people are becoming aware that the, this is happening to our everyday citizens by officers. So right. we need to get rid of the bad officers, keep the good officers so they can protect our community, but the bad officers, they have to go or else tax dollars are going to be going up because attorneys like myself are going to keep suing in order to get justice. And that's the only way you can get justice is in the courtroom. And hold Don't on. get justice in the streets. You have to get in the courtroom. And hold on there, yeah. Attorney Benjamin Taylor. I was going to cut you loose, yeah. but before I, before I do that, we actually got um, the president for the Austin Police Association on the phone, uh, Ken Cassidy. Um, let's go to Ken Cassidy. Welcome to Come and Talk, sir. Thank you, Michael. I'd like to address the last issue. Um, yes, officers do go to... Uh, these trials, um, but uh, very strict guidelines on not being in uniform and also being off-duty. So I, I understand Mr. Taylor's accusation, but um, any any citizen can walk into that courtroom and watch a trial. So um, I disagree with him there, um, but I also wanted to uh, just call in and give you a chance to ask questions because I didn't want this to be a, a lopsided um, interview. All right, sure, absolutely. I, I think what we're talking about in situations like, you know, 
I, I don't know, you, you probably can't comment on specific, you know, cases or specific issues, but a situation where, you know, an officer is off duty, on duty, whatever, off, let's say off duty, and yeah. um, they get into an incident while they're off duty. Uh, yes. And instead of, you know, like the incident with the officer doing this, this road, rage, road rage incident that happened not too long ago, like a week or so ago. Yes. And the officer pulls his service pistol out. You know, if I was in a situation like that where I pull my 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 personal concealed handgun out, um, whether I pointed it or didn't point it, you know, let's say I didn't point it, but I pulled it out because I don't think he pointed at the person. You know, I would probably been arrested on scene. I think, Michael, if you would have pointed it at him, I think that might have been uh, a true. But what happened, there was an incident with this officer, and, you know, he was suspended for 90 days, three months without pay. Um, but what happened in the incident you're talking about is that after the road rage incident, the officer was chased by this individual. And uh, at very, you're right, very extremely high rates of speed. And they ran into a dead end, and the uh, person you're talking about uh, was trapped and uh, did what you just said he did. But he was being chased by this individual and hit a dead end and then got out and did that. So I don't think in that situation uh, charges were appropriate. But, um, you know, it, it, uh, it just depends on the situation. And in that situation, I don't because he was the one being chased. And I, and I encourage everyone, you in a situation like that, there are a couple things you can do. Let's say you have a pastor in your, in your vehicle. You can actually text 911. You can text them yeah. all the information. You know, I've done that myself uh, and, and give them, you know, all the specifics. Uh, you can call 911, but never, ever get out of your vehicle. The law actually covers you if you stay inside your vehicle. Yeah, that's what I wanted to bring up. Because if I was to get into this similar situation and the, the police report regarding this, this APD officer it details that he was brake checking the person behind him, which if I was to do that and go at a, at a very at a rate uh, varying between 80 to 96 miles an hour down 35 and brake check somebody, and then g- the guy would c- pull up behind me, and I got out of my car with a pistol and, and brandished it, my ass is going to jail. Um, and then, you know, and, and I'm... I think if you, that uh, so. If you were being chased by someone and you did that, you would be going to jail. Absolutely. If I get out of my car with a pistol, am I going to jail, Michael? Yeah, you're going to. I'm going to jail. Yeah, you're definitely. You, you, that is ridiculous. And he was suspended for three months without pay, and now what's he on probation for a year? Yeah, try try go to jail for three months and then be on probation for ten years. I don't. I, I respectfully disagree with both of you. I've been involved in situations where people like that have not gone to jail. So, but I, I respect your opinion. All right. Yeah, probably because I knew a cop, though, or the judge at least. This is. I mean, how we how we can continue to sit here and say that it's okay that cops should not be held to a higher standard is laughable. It is truly funny to me. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not. I'm not saying over here saying that. Uh, cops got it easy either. I mean, they're dealing with situations that are that are pretty difficult situations on a daily basis. Correct. But I'm I'm also not going to say that you can just give every give give cops like the benefit of the doubt left and right. And if you're going to do that, then you also need to be giving regular citizens the benefit of the doubt. Like you either got to tighten up the laws on 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 you, you got to tighten it up so that it's equal across the board, so, or you got to start cutting people slack. I have a question 
for Michael. If if a license to carry holder did that. It'd be even worse. Exactly. Because They're held why? even a higher standard. Exactly. Just and like then, commercial truck drivers and just not like the police. And, and for the record, like I have some very good friends who are in law enforcement, right? I have, And they all work here in APD. They're fantastic people. I'm not sitting yeah, here I also, trying to say. I, I, I want to second that real quick. I also actually think that APD is right? probably the p- best police force Absolutely. I've ever dealt with. I'm not here trying just, to say that every cop is a bad cop. But I am saying that we currently have a system who protects the bad, the bad cops, ones. And we have to make sure that the good cops have all the resources they need. We have to make sure that we're protecting them. And Mr. Yeah, Mr. Cassidy? One thing that I, Michael, I wanted to address this. I heard y'all talking about it. And uh, I, I totally understand what uh, uh, our, our lawyer on, was talking about today. You know, um, the one thing that makes it that way is the body cameras and the car cameras that we have. So almost everything that we have should be uh, on video. And, and when you're dealing with these smaller counties, uh, their training is so minimal and they don't have body cameras or in-car cameras. So I understand what he's saying and his frustration with that. But, you know, I, I live a daily basis with these issues here in Austin. We try to do the best we can do. And believe me, uh, you don't always hear about it, but Chief Manley fires several people every year. Um, and it just, uh, you know, it, sometimes it doesn't make the citizenry happy when you know, a, a certain officer doesn't get fired, but I just want to let people know that people do get fired. And then I think that the, the, the thing that really is the advantage for Austin and some of the other big cities that can afford it is the, the body cameras and the anchor. Okay. So, so speaking of body cameras, I agree, I agree with you and I'll, I'll make this quick, but do you think that, because there is, there is dash, there is a, a, a dash cam footage of this APD officer getting into this situation here. Do you think that that should be released ASAP if he actually didn't do anything wrong? Well, uh, since he was suspended, I would think that that would be available. Um, uh, both, it, I, I find it strange that both both drivers involved in the incident had, had uh, videos on their front dash. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah so that, that would think that would possibly be. But uh, because, as we know, when an officer is not suspended, uh, that uh, – um, anything involved in that case is not um, open records, but this was a suspension, so um, that's something that uh, you know I think could be looked at. And I, I do want you to, when we come back from the break, on uh, uh, Mr. Cassidy, to talk about uh, the Austin Police Department and the problems that you guys have with hiring and things of that nature. If you can hold on sure. for me, this is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talking. This is Coley on Noir, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Austin's Talk, 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, we're back. We're talking about uh, traffic stops here in, uh, around the country. I do want to thank the Austin Police Department, especially that south area there, for always responding, you know, in a very professional way and very quick. You know, we have uh, breaking attempts. You know, we are able, I, I think in South Austin, uh, we're able to stop, you know, the bad guys from getting access to guns in South Austin. And I like that. You know, we good response. We have a good working relationship with the Austin Police Department, uh, and they respond fast and very professional. And I'm, I tell you, I, I think they got there in like 45 seconds, to be honest with you. 
Uh, it was really good. And I, I, I was doing multiple things, so I actually had to text 911 uh, the information, and they were able to get the information. I sent them a video, and, you know, and they were able to, you know, copy and paste that over to the system so the officer can see it when they arrived at the scene so they knew what they were going to be going into. Uh, so, man, I, I, so I want to thank the Austin Police Department, especially that South area, for responding every time we called them whatever issues that we have in South Austin. Has the number of break-ins gone up since the quarantine? Don't know, but I know I, I think violent crime has actually increased yeah. in Austin for sure. Definitely. Uh, he, and I don't know if that's because, you know, and, and, and uh, President Cassidy, I don't know if you can tell me, you know, you guys are having issues with hiring new officers. You know, what's going on with that? We are, you know, Michael, before the defunding or reallocation or whatever you want to call it, um, you know, that's been a big, you know, a lot of our council don't like it to call defunding. But um, basically we were 150 people short of our authorized staffing before that. Now they've taken those 150 positions. And on top of that, in the last eight months, we've had 96 people retire and probably I think somewhere in the 40s. Uh, resign and go to other departments. And we are uh, commonly seeing shifts that should have 10 people on them show up with three and four people. And the other devastating thing that the council did is that we had a almost a $10 million, uh, I think it was $8.5 million overtime budget to backfill those positions, and they also took that away. So um, I think that's why violent crime is through the roof. Um, property crime is down in a lot of areas, but Aggravated assaults, especially our shootings, are through the roof, and our aggravated robberies are through the roof. So it, it just it kind of depends on what crime you're looking at. But uh, to be honest with you, Michael, we uh, probably will not have any new officers on the street until next year. Oh, wow. Late next year, maybe even 2022. So uh, we're, we're in a crisis situation. I wish Chief Manley would speak more about it and not just me always in the public talking about it. Right. But uh, our officers are really hurting, and a lot of officers are working uh, 60 to 70 hours a week uh, to, to, to make up for the loss of officers. Wow. How, and that's, how, not, that's not good for me. That's not good for you as a citizen either because you don't want a tired police. So here we're yeah. talking about officers making mistakes or breaking the law or whatever you want to call it. But you don't want police officers regularly working 60 to 70 hour work weeks. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up because that's what happened with uh, the Amber Geiger case up there in Dallas. She was tired. Yeah, uh, yeah well, she was work. She had been working an overtime shift. But I, I can't imagine it's good for a, for a police officer or really, to be honest, just about anybody working 70 hours a week. I mean, we've all done it before, but it's it's rough. And doing that regularly could probably you know, inhibit your ability to make quality decisions as a police officer. And so that's just putting undue stress on these police officers that are stick, sticking around and staying in there to do their job. Yep. Right, I so agree with that. And I appreciate you asking. And, and uh, I just want to thank you for always sticking up for uh, citizens' Second Amendment rights. I'm a staunch believer in it. And I do appreciate people like you that are out there defending that on a daily basis. Absolutely. And Attorney Benjamin Taylor had some questions for you. He had something he wanted to say. Uh, yeah. You still there, Mr. Taylor? Yes. No, we appreciate, you know, President Cassidy's, you know, hard work out there in, in Austin and everything. I guess what I would ask the president, you know, how does he feel about the powerful parts of police unions? And, you know, police unions give a lot of money to the politicians. Yeah. And do they feel that, you know, they have so much influence that 
you know, the citizen won't get justice because they're going to go ahead and just do what the police and police unions say because they know it's a very powerful organization and nobody wants to go against the police. No politician is brave enough to stand up a lot of times against the police. So how does he feel about the police unions and I, the power of politicians I, and everything? I agree with you, especially, uh, you know, we, we're part of a national organization uh, that lobbies for us on the national level. But when you see places like New York, Boston, places like that, I would tend to agree with you. But just look at what's happened to us here in Austin over the last six months. And I think the answer, I kind of answered your question, you know, of just how much power the Austin Police Association has or, um, you know, the wielding of influence over the city council. I would say that uh, um, that kind of answers your question. Turn to Taylor. Yeah, yeah, because that's what the I think debate nationwide, right? You, yeah. I mean, officers, you know, I think they do need, you know, better mental health treatment. I mean, yeah. I don't agree with the term defunding the police. I think we need to actually give more money for body cameras to the police and more mental health treatment for the police officers, or reallocate that money and get rid of the bad officers. Because I think everybody understands that if somebody breaks into my house. I want the, a police officer to be at my house immediately, too. So I don't agree with this whole defunding part, but I think reallocating and giving more money and better resources to the police officers so that way you have good officers out there who are mentally healthy to go after you know the bad guys. And people like Phil Colbert, my client, don't pull over people who have air fresheners. That's a mental health issue right there. An officer who's pulling over people for air fresheners, they have some sort of issue. And I think President Cassidy or all officers should agree that these officers need to be off the street. And that officer who did pull over my client um, for that got fired. And now he's no longer on the force. So I think we just need better training, better you know resources. And the police unions do have a lot of power, maybe not in certain cities, but across the country, I think that's why government, governmental immunity will be hard to change because of the money that police unions give to politicians and politicians do not want to stand up against, yeah. you know, the police, the police unions. Yeah. And I, I, I would, I think I agree with almost everything you said. Um, I even take it one step higher, which is we're on board with, we don't believe we are the experts in mental health and, you know, having a different group respond to individuals and in mental health crisis. Um, is something that we're willing to say, okay, this needs to be done by somebody other than a police officer. But as you know, the state law is written in a certain way where we do everything. And we're the mental health experts out there with 40 hours of extra training. And um, But I don't disagree with what you said. Um, I don't believe in the defunding either. You know, more body cameras, more, um, especially mental health. You know, with workers' comp in Austin, I mean, this will shock people. You know, if we want to get an officer of mental health with a psychiatrist, we have to take them all the way to San Antonio because there's no psychiatrist in Austin that will deal with a um, workers' comp issue. So there are lots of issues that need to be worked out, and we plan on working on these issues at the next legislative session here in two months. Uh, Mr. Cassidy, how do you feel about officers taking calls that are, you know, let's call them minor like uh, noise complaints, barking dog, barking dog, uh, you know that generally that kind of calls thing. for service. Yeah, yeah. I have a list of them that I've made up. Uh, was sitting down with officers talking about things that you don't think you should do, 
and that would be one of them. Um, parenting calls, um, guys, it's ridiculous. I mean, you know, my child won't get out of bed to go to school. Can you come over and get them out? What? Um, Mm-mm. can you please come hold my grandchild down while I whoop their, I mean, Mm-mm. I'm telling you, it's ridiculous. <laughs> It's some of the calls that we answer on a daily Good basis, Lord. or, or uh, you know, my favorite uh, Circle C call. Uh, can you come out here? There's a black man walking down the street. Um, I mean, there are so many calls that we answer on a daily basis that are just absolutely ridiculous. Hmm. Could you give me a, a definitive personal statement on how you feel about qualified immunity? Sure. Um, I feel that it's, you know, lots of people have immunity, um, politicians, um, other uh, people in government. Um, I think it's important to have it because, like I said earlier, unless the attorney wants to disagree with me, there are cases that we've dealt with in the past where the negligence was so gross that the person, that the officer was not provided the immunity. So I feel like if you didn't have it, uh, you don't have anybody in, this, in the right mind that would want to be a police officer anymore. But uh, I do feel like, because I've seen it, to where if you have gross negligence, that can be taken away from you. But then maybe there's some workarounds. You know, we'll, we'll be working with all of our attorneys. We'll be working with the legislators coming up. And I know it's one of the things that's written into uh, Sophronia Thompson's bill, uh, the George Floyd Act. And believe it or not, there's you know about 75, 80% of what's in there we already do in Austin, but other departments don't do it. And I'm still shocked that there are departments in the state of Texas that still teach their officers the chokehold. Um, and they're not willing to give up that because they've used it successfully for so many years. So there's going to be a lot of headbutting, and, and but I think we'll come up with something good at the session that uh, hopefully makes everybody happy. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. Speaking of the chokehold, how do you feel about making it mandatory for all APD officers to learn some sort of mixed martial art, be it jujitsu, Muay Thai, wrestling, I mean, whatever, like a grip control or something? Do you think that would be productive? Because I think that would prevent a lot of these scenarios from unfolding in a, in a heinous way. You know, the problem that we have, again, that falls back on training, you're taught that stuff in the police academy, but... Um, there's not really a, a good way to have continuing training. A large portion of our officers um, are instructors. We have several black belts that teach uh, the different dojos around the city. Um, so there are several people that you know that already do that. But I, I would agree with you that if we could have a set standard and continuing training in it, instead of just leaving the officers. On their, on their own to go out and do it would be a good thing that we could support. But uh, as always, it always comes down to money. And, and when you do that, you have to take people off the street um, to do it. And I know the city doesn't want to pay for that. Um, but, uh, again, uh, we do have con- continuing training at the academy that officers can take, but it has to be on their own time. But, um, you know, I would suggest that for any police officer that's a street officer still working on the street. I mean, that's interesting. Um, I believe that continuing education for a lot of different professions are on your own time. Yeah. Uh, so 
So I, I guess I'm a little confused as to why that that the city would have to come into that. Um, should you not be able to like have requirements for officers that you have to do X, Y, and Z training, you know, every quarter to maintain in good standing with the police department, and then there's a probation system. Um, because I know, I'm sorry. Um, so you can require uh, the TCOL training, which is our mandatory training that we have every year. Right. Um, but if the city required more than that and they required you to do that, then you would run into FSLA laws and um, the city having to pay you um, to do um, certain things. Um, Interesting. I know that, uh, yeah, so um, anytime uh, they want you to do some type of training, the city either has to pay for it or provide a space for it. It's, it's kind of, um, you know, FSLA is there for a reason. Um, but sometimes it can't kind of get in the way. And is that written in state legislation? Is that the federal city? Law. Federal law. Federal law. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Right. So any, anything, anytime they're going to require you to work more than your regular work week past 40 hours, it's paid in overtime and compensation time. I've never heard of another profession doing that. Yeah. So it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's quite interesting, and uh, what they can do is physical fitness standards, um, like the fire department in the city of Austin. Mm -hmm. um, they require you to meet a certain standard every year, but they also are required to work out on duty at least one hour every day. And they have the facilities to be able to do that. And when you're on patrol for 10 hours or 12 hours, you don't have time to take a break to go work out. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, I'm following. I yeah, I'm following. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, the, the the fire department has very strict standards that they go by. All right. All right. Awesome. All right. Thank you, uh, uh, Ken Cassidy. He's the president for the Austin Police Association. Uh, so I want to thank you for uh, calling in to the show and and giving us some insight into a lot of that stuff. Uh, and also, Call me anytime. I love I love watching y'all show. All right. Thank you, sir. Also, like thank attorney Benjamin Taylor, uh, who's representing Philip Colbert uh, in Arizona. Uh, the guy that's pulled over for an air freshener. I want to thank uh, Benjamin Taylor for being on Skype with us as well today. Thank you, Benjamin. Yeah, thank you, Michael, and thank you for all your your staff and everybody in there for having me. If you can have me on any time, um, I like to talk about you know these type of issues about the, you know politics about um, the police reform. So anytime, please you know give me a call or any of your um, listeners need help. I'm attorney Benjamin Taylor. We do cases across the nation. So this, please Google me, Taylor and Gomez Law Firm. And thank you, Michael, for having us Absolutely. on here today. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. And you guys have a wonderful rest of your day and, and hope you enjoyed your weekend. All right. Thank you. All right. All right. So I want to get into because we got a couple more stories you got to cover. Got to cover that Republican Lauren Boebert, who asked police <clears throat> if she can carry her firearm into the Capitol grounds in D.C. She's the in Colorado. Uh, well, she's uh, in Colorado or, or D.C.? Colorado. So she's a state rep? Yes. Oh, okay. I thought she was a U.S. rep. I'm sorry. So she, this Lauren yeah. Bobart is... No, she's federal. She? She's, yeah, she's federal. Yeah. Why would, well, right well hold on a second here. Yeah, she's federal. Uh, so she's a, a, she's a congresswoman elect, and she's going to D.C., and she wants to carry in D.C., and so, yeah, you can do that. And as a Congress uh, person, you can actually carry in D.C. And she wants to know what the process is because I think there's only one other person actually does, you know, actually does this. 
Uh, so normally they have security and things of that nature, but she's, you know, she's a regular old person and she wants to do as she, you know, as she does in Colorado. She wants to go to DC and carry a gun. Yeah, she's the same rep that uh, <laughs> she bypassed the Thanksgiving um, limitation of gathering by having a turkey funeral so she could have 30 guests on Thanksgiving. A turkey funeral? Turkey yeah. funeral, Michael. Is that what she called it? She called it a turkey uh, funeral? turkey funeral. And yeah, that, I, I read this wrong. I read that she, yeah. uh, she owns a... She owns a uh, business in Rifle, Colorado. Yeah, they're 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 popular. We we actually talked to them about some other stuff because they actually open carry in their restaurant or something like that. So we yeah, about something them. like that. That's yeah. uh, I don't know what what I was yeah. doing. Anyways, uh, so yes, yeah, she is bringing up a big old fuss about that. That's good. Yeah. That's keeping that in the news. I like that. I like that. And then we also got another story here, Michael, and uh, we got Ed Stack. Ed Stack is the former CEO of Dick's Sporting mm-hmm. Goods. And uh, he was the guy who took the stance on the, on them uh, imposing stricter sales regulations of firearms, which provoked uh, customer boycotts. And he is now stepping down, and a lot of people are speculating that he's stepping down because of his anti-2A, anti-firearm stance that he took. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah. And, yeah, because they removed firearms from their shelves after the shooting in Sandy Hook. And Parkland, so, yeah, yeah, from, yeah. Uh, yeah, Parkland. And so now they're paying the price for that, you know. So, and, you know, it, this this is what happens. And and I wonder what they do with all those guns. Did they destroy them? Well, I Have think they, they did. They maintain their decision to do that. What do you mean? That they to, kept to stop decision? selling semi-automatic rifles and I think they did. He did. He yeah. later said that uh, it was the only decision we could have made. The only decision. That sounds like a false dilemma, Zach. <laughs> yeah. All right, and then we also have one more interesting story here that I think is, uh, I think it's something we should pay attention to. What's that? Further down the road here. Pine Ridge, South Carolina is without a police force after its fourth chief in three years stepped down more than a month ago. Why is This that? is a city of 2,000 people, and <laughs> it has zero Zero. Big goose egg. Zero police uh, officers. Zero. It has no police force whatsoever. Why? Because um, they have lost all of their... Well, my, my phone's acting up. But uh, they've, they, they've all either resigned or stepped down. And it's a very small town, but I mean... Well, what's going on? What's causing this? I wish I could pull this back up. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I wonder what's causing that. Yeah, because also, uh, you'll, I, I'll let you come back to that. Uh, Smith & Wesson has actually recalled uh, uh, M&P Shield EZ pistols. If you have a Smith & Wesson M&P Shield pistol, guess what? It's being recalled. Uh, what, what's happening is the hammer, uh, there's something going on with the hammer manufactured by the supplier. You know, they were actually cracked. And in those firearms, the hammer failed to fully engage the sear, which caused the round to fire cycling the slide, and potentially result in any multiple discharges without depressing the trigger. So if you're familiar with the Smith, uh, Smith Wesson M&P Shield, it actually has a grip safety where you grip uh, the firearm, and there's a safety there, and you're holding the gun in nice, good, firm grip. And when you pull the trigger, because of what it was doing is fully engaging the sear, you got, a, you got an automatic pistol. I don't think I want to turn mine in. <laughs> I think I want to keep that one. I'm not, <laughs> I don't think I want to send it back. Uh, so yeah, it was actually turned it into a uh, uh, an automatic. 
So that's definitely a problem. Got to get that back to them. This condition has been found only in two hammers, and Smith & Wesson's investigation suggests the pair of incidents are very isolated. All right, so coming back to this story here, my phone was acting up. Um, the interim police chief, Vincent Solano, was Pine Ridge's only full-time officer before he resigned on October 13th. His reasoning was that the mayor was constantly meddling and micromanaging the police department. They um, canceled the school, the, the, the uh, police dog program, and he's claiming that it created a, this is a quote, it has created a hostile work environment not only for myself, but my two other part-time employees. Again, this is a very small town, but he's essentially saying that the, that, that, uh, the, gov- the local government is infringing on their ability to do their job. But the reason I, I wanted to bring this story to light was because I think that it's going to be interesting to see what a city with no police force, what happens to it. We'll find out. Yeah. Also, I want to give you an update on the bump stock lawsuit. So an incompetent judge on firearms knowledge makes a lazy decision uh, in the bump stock case. Uh, so basically what happened is the U.S. District Court for the Western District of Texas rendered a decision on Tuesday in the case of Michael Cargill versus William Barr and concluding that NCLA, which is the New Civil Liberties Alliance, the client of Michael Cargill of Austin, Texas, is not entitled to legally possess a bump stock because bump stocks have always been machine guns. Now, under federal law. So NCLA is seeking to overturn the federal ban on bump stocks issued on December 26, 2018 by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives and to halt its enforcement because NCLA believes federal agencies do not have the power to alter federal statutes. NCLA also believes that if the federal government wants to outlaw bump stocks, Congress has to do it. Now, in its ruling, the court found that even without reliance on Chevron judicial difference, uh, the defendant's interpretation of the term single function of the trigger and automatically, those two terms there, single function of the trigger and the term automatically, in the statute uh, definition of machine guns properly include bump stocks within that definition. The court reached the conclusion that the statutory language is not vague or ambiguous, even though ATF itself interpreted the language completely differently for well over a decade. In 2010, the ATF conducted a physical examination and test fire of the slide fire bump stock and determined that it was not regulated as a firearm under the Gun Control Act of National Firearms Act. But after the tragic massacre in Las Vegas, Nevada, in October 2017, ATF contradicted its own prior interpretation of the law and disregarded its substantive expertise in the mechanics and operation of firearms in order to alter federal criminal law and ban bump stocks. Now, because the court decided that the statute is clear, it also refused to apply the rule of uh, litany in favor of Myself, Michael Cargill. Now, the court also held that the final rule, which turned an estimated 520,000 bump stock owners around the country into felons overnight, is a validly issued legislative rule. Uh, That does not violate principles of non-delegation or separation of powers, uh, even though the government admitted that the rule was not a legislative rule. NCLA contends that allowing ATF to criminalize bump stocks uh, will... Uh, Its final rule exceeds both core constitutional limits on Congress' ability to delegate legislative power and violates the separation of powers. As always, more guns equals less crime.
we're going to appeal this decision. You've been listening to Michael Cargill. Come and talk it. Everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 